There may be some plans to get baseball players back in June. What can you tell us? Well, there is a plan, Joe, but I think it's more wishful thinking than reality. I mean, when you just consider the logistics, I mean, 30 teams, traveling parties, you're talking over 3,000 people in total, players, coaches, medical staff, front office staff, in a few ballparks in either Texas or Arizona, and that's even before you get to the negotiation over what will you pay the players, because owners would be putting up the money to get the teams there, and they would be playing in front of no fans whatsoever, no gate money. So, I, you know, it's great to think about. I hope it happens. I kind of doubt it will. Well, I, I think um, it sounds great in the abstract to be able to watch baseball on television. I think we're all jonesing for baseball on television right now as the weather mm-hmm. warms up. The problem is, is the first player, you have these incredible investments in these great players uh, when a player goes down with COVID and then another player uh, contracts COVID. Then you're going to see the MLB scrambling to say, well, never mind. So I think it's a really risky thing to do, especially if they're planning on doing it as soon as June. Um, maybe they can manage it later in the year, but uh, it worries me. As much as I miss baseball and miss my Cardinals, I still think this is really putting the players um, at risk for real health complications. D and Davis show, we are back. Uh, a little breaking news as we were uh, just talking. This came. This, came, this just came across WGN.com. Uh, the report: MLB considering division realignment for late June start in home ballparks. Uh, says uh, fans might be able to watch the Crosstown Classic a lot more often this summer, albeit on TV. According to USA Today's Bob Nightingale. Major League Baseball is considering a plan to do away with traditional American National League, League American National Leagues, realigning all 30 teams into three geographic divisions. So here we go. We're in Chicago. This will be for the Central. It will be the Chicago Cubs, Chicago White Sox, the Milwaukee Brewers, St. Louis Cardinals, Detroit Tigers, Cleveland Indians, Cincinnati Reds, Kansas City Royals, Minnesota Twins, and the Atlanta Braves, which is Got interesting. Please mess around and win the division. Um, the proposal aims to begin the season spanning at least 100 games. About the end of June, the team uh, in uh, the, in June in teams own ballparks without fans and ahead of expanded playoff format. And also, too, uh, at the end of the story, is saying that the MLB, this is one possible uh, scenario that could possibly happen. Another possibility is consider having uh, groups of teams playing Arizona, Texas, and Florida because those teams have controlled climate stadiums. Uh, the new Texas Rangers stadium hasn't even been played yet, played in yet. Uh, my only concern to that is kind of like what we talked about on the flip. If you haven't, uh, if you missed it, check it out. The casino circulated air. Now you don't want that. So I don't know about that, but this is a possibility. What do you guys think? Uh, my, uh, just really quick. It, it sounds impossible that they're going to just bus around these players to all these oh, different locations be, geographically. They'd be flying. They'd be flying they got the charter jets. Flying, right? whatever. This like, is major, major league. Like Everybody get on a bus. The exposure. <laughs> I, said they be bu- I mean, I get the point that you're trying to make. You're well, right. You set right, the bus in the run. You're you right. The bus. So my thought was this. All right. The real detriment to this, because compared to I was just telling D before you rejoined, Ryan, that I like this more than the 16, the, the tournament style basketball situation, because one, I won't get, and I know I could go probably to Wrigley to see him perhaps, but I won't see him as much. I wouldn't get to see Russell Okuna uh, and Albies as often as I would get to see 
And I was saying to him, like, damn, they're going to take this damn division away from us. And I meant Chicago, not just the Sox. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but still, that you have so many teams playing against each other, being entertaining. But I'm, it can, and it's along the lines that you just said, Ryan, as far as infection. My problem is this. When you're making it regional, you know what you also you're doing? You're making it easier for people to travel and see their teams. Mm-hmm. And that kind of defeats the purpose of kind of making sure we at least squash this during the summertime when people in a, a neighboring state that wouldn't be able to go see their team because usually probably may, perhaps, I mean, you have the Cubs in Milwaukee, but sometimes with the neighboring state, you may not have, you'll have a team that's AL and one's NL. You know what I'm saying? Kind of like in Missouri, uh, you know, like down there or whatever, you know, like with St. Louis and with Missouri rather. I don't know. If, uh, I don't you know get what that, I mean? I mean, Missouri and Missouri is what I'm saying. I don't, yeah, know, I, don't know, I don't know if that'd be a, too much of a, I don't know. If, I don't know if you don't know fans are being the stadiums though, yeah, right? Fans, I don't think fans right. be. Well, you're right. You're think right. about, think about Wrigley where they put that new TV so they can't, control the sidewalk, right? What if everybody just started lining up? I was going to say, what if I got But but the point that I was still going to make is, you know what? Man, dude, we see it with St. Louis all the time. People, that's part of their summertime. You know what I'm saying? It's a culture. culture. Yes, to travel to your rival city. Yeah, to travel to a rival city. And just to say that because they may not be able to enter the stadium, they still be able at that point to enter the bars around that stadium. I still think it's going to be an enticing factor to people to want to travel more. I don't know. Listen, I don't know if travel is going to be fine or not. I'm not a doctor, so let me lead off with that. I'm only pointing out that I just wonder if that's going to increase the risk of infection from state to state, city to city, with people traveling to see their favorite team. It's still going back to my initial thoughts is, okay, this is cool. Basically, you merge the NL and AL division, uh, AL, uh, uh, all the divisions based on the regional uh, standing. But uh, it's still coming down to testing, man. It's still coming down to testing. One thing it did also say, it says that while Nightingale reports league executives are optimistic, all of this is pending approval from medical experts and increased COVID-19 testing. It's still coming down to testing. You know, it would make a lot of sense to me, the division alignment, if they did, if they merged the two plans, you said. Mm -hmm. If let's say that whole central division was in Texas playing, in that mm-hmm. one stadium, maybe you could get that done. I just don't think that they're going to be able – like Chicago to Atlanta, that's not just some easy travel where you're not going to be seeing anybody and limit all exposure possible, mm-hmm. I would think at least. Also, let's be honest. These leagues haven't been forthcoming with how many players have really been affected by this. If you just look at nationally, mm-hmm. the amount of people – and these, these people are spread out amongst the country – Mm-hmm. And you and you don't and mind you, they were in spring training. Let's just say the MLB, they were in spring training when this happened. Meaning they were all congregated together. You look at basketball; they were playing when this happened. And if you think that they're going to let us know because they don't want the risk to look like they're just looking at it like it's not as serious, that more players in these uh, organizations didn't catch it and they're just not being forthcoming with it. I don't know what to tell you because they're not immune to it. I mean, they may be, because of how healthy they are, immune to the risks of, of, of uh, the mortality risk. Mm-hmm. But when it comes to the fact that as far as infection rate, if you don't think guys that are naked, in the, and I'm not saying it in any type of nasty way or trying to make it seem salacious, but guys that are showering together, playing ball together. Oh, exposure. It's just a, the, a, yeah. it's not even like compared to us. We don't risk, we don't naturally risk ourselves in those type of fashion. So mm-hmm. I'm just trying to highlight that. Oh, yeah. No, no, right. no, no, no. One other thing I was kind of thinking, and I wonder what you guys think the leagues might do. Let's look at, like, baseball. 
let's say a few pitchers like blow out their arm. Are they going to have like a pool of players that they're going to be able to just call up? Or is it just mm-hmm. like, hey, we'll test whatever free agents are out there. And if you're clean, then come on in. But if you pa- fail the test. Well, yeah, I mean, they had the, that's they had a good minors. one. They had that's a good one. Yeah, but we don't even know as far as how, like, you know how much, like, how much money you have to spend to isolate the minor leagues? Like, oh, I don't, man. like, so. They like, don't even want to pay them. That's what I'm about to say. Yeah, it's true. I forget so as much as, as much as you have to do now with not just isolating the players and the coaches, but also the service people for those players, because that's where, to me, it's going to get in, let alone the family interaction. And we know they've said they're going to take, take them away from their families. But to your point, like, dude, you, first of all, you're playing with uh, something that gets tossed around to different people. All right, the mm-hmm. all the time, and mm-hmm. it's just the, the, the chances of someone getting infected. Like, dude, you're I not. Why they wear a glove on their on their throwing hand? Some people, I mean, how many pitchers? Most pitchers don't want to do that. Maybe not the pitcher, but maybe everybody else. Maybe so, maybe so. But I mean, but guess what? If the pitch is infected and he's throwing the ball around, it's on your glove. So as soon as you be like, man. <laughs> Get some of these sunflower seeds. Exactly. Look, look, what you just pointed out, though, that's like, that's their natural reaction. That's why I see anything going to happen. Some players, but see, I I would, to me, I'm fine with if it doesn't happen. Mm -hmm. I'm not a person opining that we have to do sports this year. But I think they're telling us now when you're listening, like, listen, dude, we'd help y'all out. We got some, pe- some people got to die again. I mean, unfortunately, I, it's not from Dean Davis. They're telling us we're opening up the markets that we have to open up the markets, and that's what we're going to do. And they're starting to show us basically by June, the markets are probably going to be open again. And we still know that some people are going to be sick. And I mean, oh, me personally, yeah, me, me personally, I mean, I'm fortunate enough to where I can still bring in an income from here. Mm-hmm. If I couldn't, I would probably be outside trying to make any types of uh, ends meet. Uh, to help my family mm. or whatever, uh, but it's it's hard. I mean, so it's, again, I don't want them to open it up, but how far are you going to take this? Uh, you know what I'm saying? They're already saying that. And it, I'm, one thing, I, I, my last point, I know we don't like to get political on the show. I'm happy to be in a blue state with a blue state governor because it's less BS when it comes to just facts coming across. I may not even have to like what Prisker says. And I wasn't a person supremely happy with Prisker because he didn't reveal his tax returns. And you can't be mad at Trump for not giving up his tax returns and say it's okay with Prisker, mm-hmm. regardless of what party you ride with. But when they said that basically it's return in the fall, dude, let, listen, let's be honest so that in the fall, we got more computers for these kids when they have to work at home. It makes no sense that we're in this country and that you tell me if this ever happens again, it's not a, at least a half million ventilators somewhere stockpile ready to go. The mm-hmm. type of country we are. So it's like, I'd rather have someone who's being upfront with the problem because if you're being upfront with the problem, one, we can call you on if you didn't remedy it when it hits again, but probably if you're going to be upfront with it, you're going to try to solve that situation rather than being someone that's always saying that the situation isn't really true. Right. No, 100% right. 100% right. D and Davis show. All right. Let's go ahead and get to, y'all want to go draft? Y'all want to go last dance? Where y'all want to go? Draft? Draft? Yeah, let's do draft. All right, NFL draft. All right, so listen, as Ken said to kick off the show, this is one of the most, uh, it was the most or one of the most? No, this was the highest rated. The most. They got, what is it, 55 million people watch this? I mean, ain't nobody else got a damn thing to do. You got nothing to do. Let's watch the draft. Let's watch the guy who, who, uh, seventh round, you know, said ran him some shorts and uh, I picked you. Mr. Irrelevant. Mr. Irrelevant. Yeah, you definitely got those. Somebody, Somebody saw him. So listen. 
Chicago Bears didn't have a first-round pick. Which they can't even have this year. What? what? They can't have what? The parade for Mr. Relevant. Oh, yeah, right. That's true. That's true. That's true. Uh, Chicago Bears uh, had a couple. Had a couple in the second round pick. Uh, two second round picks, I should say. Uh, some fifths, some sixths, and sevens. Uh, definitely jumping out to us, Ken. I would definitely say is uh, Cole Commit, uh, local boy here, tight end coming out from Notre Dame, and Jalen Johnson from uh, mm-hmm. Utah, cornerback. Uh, one of you and Utah. Listen, everybody think like, oh, it's Utah. No, Utah have one of the best defenses in the Pac-12. So this kid is coming in possibly is ready to start. I did want to ask um, uh, Dion Miller this when we had her on earlier this week, but Johnson come is coming in. We had already with three shoulder shoulder injuries, shoulder sh- uh, surgeries, shoulder Ooh. surgeries. So that's something that I think is going to be kind of. Two of them were like in high school and first year of college. He'd been healthy for a while, and then he played on a full torn labrum the whole whole season. Right. I mean, your body still get cut into surgery, surgery. But coming into the league now, you know, it's a pass pass the league, going to get focused. Uh, Cornerbacks are going to get a lot of play. But, uh, Ken, I'll kick it off with you first, man. What do you think about the Bears draft in the first two picks, obviously? Uh, I thought Cole Komet was a gimme. I think for the most part from a month and a half, two months ago, if he was there and it was rumors where he was going to be there, mm-hmm. you thought it was a good chance that the Bears were going to pick him up. Um, and, Ryan, cool. and Ryan's been calling for him all time, all season too, last season, I should say. Yeah. I uh, locked him. Yeah. I, I think so. That one wasn't – you didn't do much with that. That one uh, – Get that man hater. his praise. Get that man his praise in his, too, in his, in his three too, furs. That was too simple, right? <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, but no. Uh, but I like – but listen, even with the fact that, it, you know, he's been splitting time with baseball and football at ND, um, you like the fact that, one, it makes the uh, – the, and again, we can all Jimmy – I mean, poo-poo it, but it makes the Jimmy Graham pickup look better because now you have an inline blocker to go with the you guy. You know what I'm saying? Because And it's not a you guy that's like – and again, you want to be better than this, but like Adam Shaheen, where it's like, yeah, you know, he could kind of move, but he's not really fast. Like, kids fast, mm-hmm. um, seems agile, physical, uh, and more to grow. I like it. I really like the Jalen Johnson pick. And again, I like the Cole Commit pick, but it's, it's, it was expected. So it doesn't, it's, it doesn't jump out to me right there. If you, if you were anybody in Chicago and Cole Commit was still on the board at 40, you pretty much knew he was probably going to be a bear. If they didn't take him at 43, maybe they risked someone picking him up and would have waited to 50. Uh, Jalen Johnson with the first round grade, even though due to his shoulder, uh, when you got a talent that everyone is predicting to be a first uh, first year starter yeah. automatically uh, with that type of height and that type of press coverage ability, uh, knowing what you 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 got here uh, as far as how your coach uh, Chuck Pagano likes to play, and see even when you look at the fact how Chuck Pagano played compared to Vic Fangio, Vic Fangio wasn't really bringing that heat, so. Yeah, those cornerbacks was playing a tad bit more, not a tad bit, but more zone. Uh, and that's why you had a Prince Mukamore here who press coverage really isn't his thing where compared to Cal Fuller it is, especially with his length. Um, so I, I like it because now when we know that Chuck Pagano likes to bring that heat and those corners got to be out there by themselves, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? I like that you got you a guy. And now even though we've hoped and prayed, and I'm not dissing it. I mean, I wish Trey, uh, Trey Robeson the best. But now it doesn't look like the Bears are silly because even if Trey Robinson proves to be very good, if you would have came into this year and the transition for him going to the CFL and the NFL was a schism, mm-hmm. people would be like, what the hell are you doing? You know what I'm saying? And, but at least now, and even if we're putting all of it on Jalen Johnson, but at least now 
there's so much competition in that room. It should be a quality starter going along the other side of Cal Fuller, right? Yeah, I think uh, probably overall looking at the draft, they got value at every spot. Everybody kind of agrees that every player they picked up, that was the right fit, except for probably Cole Komet. He probably got drafted too high. Mm-hmm. And I know Hub was saying he had about 12 prospects that were higher up than uh, what Cole Komet was. Mm-hmm. And on top of it, too, there was a lot of guys falling down that weren't expected from that first round, like Jalen Johnson, that they could have gotten. I mean, they could have gotten the next player after, I believe, was Trevon Diggs of uh, Alabama, the cornerback. Stephon Diggs' brother. Yeah. Right. Maybe they would have gone with him or some of the other guys that were considered first round talent instead of Cole, but he obviously fits what they need. They need to get this tight end going. They have to get it and with Demetrius Harris, Jimmy Graham, him, and then a nice competition for the four and five spots. That position doesn't look as weak as it did last year. And then all the way, the rest of the way, Jalen Johnson, for as much as Cole Komet was a reach, Jalen Johnson was a steal and more at yeah. 50. Like, there was no reason why he should have been there other than, I guess, the shoulder issues. But, man, Tua went five with way more issues than this kid. This kid is good. I mean, he was a playmaker. I love yeah, that they showed a, a highlight of him just picking up Jacob Eason and taking it to the look, house. And the even more, look, Ryan, we're going along with what you said about Tua. Tua has bad wheels for a mobile quarterback. Right. This guy just has a bad shoulder, sure. and he played through the whole thing through the whole season. Yeah, he missed, like, no time. I think he missed, yeah. like, one game. Did you, guys like, read, he good. He did you guys read on how why he uh, decided Utah and everything like that? Mm-mm. So, so you know, his father was was definitely hard on him, training him up. Uh, but he seems like he was always a really mature uh, young cat. And he had he had scholarships from USC and UCLA. He's a California kid. Oh, okay. He went to so this wasn't like oh Utah was the, the highest place. Mm-hmm. He went to Utah because he wanted to graduate in three years, and that he was going to get early playing time there. And yep. he did both. Yeah. So and the system fit what his strengths were. So this young man has been mature beyond his years for a long time. All right. And everything you hear coming out is terrific. Uh, I think we all and like just go ahead, go ahead. sorry. Two more guys to keep an eye on for if we have a season, assuming we'll have a season Mooney Darnell Mooney, the receiver that they got with all that speed. The speed. Yeah. He's definitely a project. He doesn't have enough size, but they can use his speed. And, you know, Matt Nagy loves using receivers in different ways. They can use that and be an impact. And then this Travis Gibson, this pass rusher, he can be a rotational guy. Maybe Mark Anderson. That's what – dude, first of all, you stop. Because that's what I was going to say to Dion. And I was just about to say it, and and I was going to say it. Travis Anderson interests me. (laughs) I didn't mean to say he's Mark Anderson. I was going to tell Dion, I was like, but in a better way because you you put Mark Anderson out there as a starter when you should have left him in a position that you should have left him in. And mm-hmm. right now, you know that when you have Quinn and you have Khalil Mack, unless one of them's hurt, you probably aren't going to do that. Now, Quinn's probably not going to be there for five years, but he should probably be there for at least three, three. of those seasons. Yeah. But mm-hmm. when you look at a raw, athletic guy, Bendy, and Trevor Gibson, now and you're asking him to be the third guy coming off when those linemen are tired, man, now you t- right. you're t- you're t- And then uh, making it better than Mark Anderson, you're not playing in a 4-3. In the three four, you're giving these guys room to run and get that. And he plays. He plays great with a hand and hand down. Too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, I definitely everything you said. Uh, even when we look at uh, Kendall uh, Vildor, he was raved. Like 
he was raved. The one thing you heard, and it's the thing if you paid attention, of course, from the nights that we've been uh, allowed and you know, the, the host on the score, and Ryan always uh, sets up our guests and does a fantastic job for us. Um, the thing you heard was when you started here that those hosts, like you mentioned, like a hub. I heard Mark Grody on during that that second, that third day. Yeah, that third day when they started hearing, you know, through channels, what the national people were saying, because you can only scout so many people and that mm-hmm. man, people were raving on a and his mm-hmm. press coverage. And like, so, and you're, you're, you're not even looking at him as being your nickel this year. Cause you still right. have bust the screen. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at, you know, okay. Dime packages, perhaps maybe sometime in the nickel, but dime packs, letting him get his feet wet. And then maybe the year after starting to implement him as your nickel guy. This draft, now, I mean, Arlington and Lachavius. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Listen, is that not, uh, uh, what, what was the, uh, uh, what's the name from uh, Mad TV guys that got their own show? Uh, uh, Keenan and Kale. Listen, Keenan that's the Keenan and Kale football uh, j- Keenan thing. When they, yeah, Keenan Peel, when they kept doing like Latavius Shavarius <laughs> Johnson. <laughs> like, when I saw Latavius, I was like, and when Don was on with us, and she was like, I was like, yes. Because yes. I was like, when I first saw I was like, Latavius. Right? But uh, listen, with the two two uh, guard tackle guys, seemed like swing guys in uh, Arlington, Arlington, Hambright, and Latavius Simmons, Simmons who knows with them? But I think the picks above them, there was a lot of value. He went ham yeah. in the fifth. If he hits on two of them, and I won't say he hit on three of them, but I think you may get value out of three of them. But he hits on two of them in a draft that you didn't have a first or a third or a fourth? Damn, son, you you did your dizzle. Hey, listen, if yeah. Pacers, you've been able to hit on guys late in the draft, mm-hmm. not early in the draft. So let's see if this comes out. So one more. I have a question for you all. What did you all think of Hurts going to Philadelphia? Being drafted by the Philadelphia Eagles, I, I can't. Carson Wentz obviously has been banged up. Mm-hmm. It seems as if a lot of reports coming out. These people we've talked to that he, I mean, they like him, but they don't like him like him like that. You know what I'm saying? They was ready. They was ready to ride for Nick Foles, but the players, so started, the players, the players, the, the players, not so much the fans. The fans are crazy anyway. But the players are ready to uh, would ride for Nick Foles and not so much for Wentz. So, what do you all think about Jalen Hurts uh, being picked up uh, by the Eagles? Well. The problem is the fact that they should have gotten a receiver earlier. And I like the kid they got. Is it from TS- TCU? Is yeah, what... Jalen Rager. Jalen Rager. I like Rager. Uh, me and Ryan talked about it. I still worry about some of the top end uh, with Rager. You know what I'm saying? Like some of the top end. And like if you're looking at the value as far as helping that quarterback. But. You have an injury-prone quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like – the thing is, in this situation, especially with someone whose job has been up due to the fact, even though he was a phenomenal quarterback three seasons ago in the second year, someone took his job. Well, didn't take it. He got hurt. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. And went to the, and went to the, 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 to the Super Bowl and won it. And then he got hurt the year after – and they were just – they were close to getting back to the Super Bowl again. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So, it, when you when, – when the, when the backup quarterback is, is a slight threat, even though your quarterback's tools – tools-wise, tools-wise, Carson Wentz has the tools. Absolutely. As you alluded to, some people worried about if he necessarily had the total team behind him. But you bring in Jalen Hurts, and I like the fact that they're being honest with the fact that, you know what, especially in a weak division, even though Dallas had a phenomenal draft, yeah. right? But in a weak division, when we're comparing it to last season, uh, and also a team, a division where 
there's all turnover in the NFC East. The only team that doesn't have turnover as far as the head coach is the Eagles, right? Everybody else is in a, a, a shortened season and they don't have any OTAs. They're doing it virtually, right? How are you implementing your, your, your offenses and your defenses, especially if there's different verbiages from the past regimes or whatever. But so I like the fact that for a hurt quarterback, they got a guy, but also for different packages, they got a guy because if you can right now use him eight really as a, a better Taysom Hill, Taysom Hill, you can use him as a better Taysom Hill because he's really played quarterback at a higher level. You know, you're talking about oh, Alabama yeah. and Oklahoma. Oh, so yeah. even if he was looked at as a run first quarterback and you look at the numbers that he put up last year at Oklahoma, uh, so and you saw that he can get it done with his arm, even though Oklahoma, everybody's damn near open. Uh, basically, I, I like it, but still, if I was an Eagles fan, I, f- I wonder how I feel about it because it would be cool, but I also would have wanted some value for the guy that we hope is our Hall of Fame quarterback going down to the future. Now, Ryan, I did I just brought up uh, for both of you guys, I just brought up uh, Carson Wentz's contract. There's an out after the 2022 season uh, where it's like three years, $81 million, $81.8 million. So it's a potential out for who, though? Carson Wentz. Oh, like saying who, like, who can he like opt out or no, can he just cut him? No, uh, is it a player option or is it a team option or is it a mutual? Mm, let me see if I can find that. I mean, but that's interesting. Even if either way, obviously, if it's a player option, he's going to take his money. But it's interesting that they draft this young guy, as you just said, Ken. He has quality uh, skill set to come into the league and potentially be a starter, and they draft this guy, and it's a potential, potential out. But let me find that. Let me find that clause. It's still going to take years for him to be a real star, like at least two seasons to be a real star in the NFL. Mm-hmm. So, like at the situation, because this is the thing too, and you look at it with Green Bay uh, Packers taking Jordan Love in the first round. These teams know that you don't win Super Bowls with quarterbacks that are in the top five percent as far as their contracts. And sooner or later, you got to start getting back. So, you know what? Even though he gets us to this point, part of the reason we only get to this point is because of how much money we're paying him. And when we can get back into that rookie quarterback deal or uh, a lower deal as far as let's just say you have a, a quarterback like if uh, Jalen Hurts succeeds, uh, um, uh, works, that he can sit there and when you try to sign him to a deal, he may take a lesser deal initially because – he, where he was drafted and on top of how much production he has at that moment, similar to what Taysom Hill did down there with uh, New Orleans. And he talked about how I think I'm a, a, a league quarterback. And even though he got 21 mil, he's basically just getting $10 million a season. Then you can take advantage of that guy and be like, you know what? I can get a couple years out of him on the lower side before we really, if we decide to give him that big contract, if he's our guy moving forward. And Ken, you know, I thought the same thing. Taysom Hill, is this what they're kind of going for? Seeing maybe get add a playmaker to that offense. Certainly it gives them that extra security having a quarterback in case Carson Wentz goes down. And the Eagles, I think, have since come out and said that they really believe, especially in this COVID season, that the backup quarterback is very important for this mm-hmm. year. And that's part of their thinking. Uh, I think that – I mean, the writing's clear on the wall with Carson Wentz. He has the talent to do it when he's in there, but he has been inconsistent and he hasn't been durable enough to stay in there where you can really count on him. That's the biggest even, thing. 
even that deal he signed, like, yeah, it was a big number, but in terms of overall quarterbacks, what they're getting, it wasn't a crazy huge number. It was mainly based off his potential and his draft status and what he did that one year right before he got hurt. He's going to be the MVP that year, probably. He right. was going to be the MVP. Yeah. Real quick. So, go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. Finish. Uh, uh, finish, Ryan. Finish, please. Me, I think that Jalen Hurts – that's a great situation for him. He can really learn and develop right behind Wentz. He's got a good quarterback-friendly coach and Doug Peterson. Mm-hmm. If he can come out and play well, I think they'll be happy, like you said, Ken, to get on a rookie quarterback contract and get Carson Wentz out because they're not too far away talent-wise from be competing for another Super Bowl. And Dan Davis show. And uh, one thing about Philly you can say, they may be a rabid fan base and crazy. Unlike a lot of cities, they let up some black quarterback. All right, from yeah. Randall, Randall Cunningham, Donovan yeah. McNabb, to Mike, Vick. Mike Vick, you know, so on and so yeah. forth. They love him a little color on their quarterback. So, uh, But I'll say this, too, to go along with the Carson Wentz thing and not looking at it as a negative his contract. Carson Wentz did the right thing because let's not forget what's going on in Dallas with Dak. They want him to mm-hmm. sign a five- to six-year deal. Carson Wentz's contract is going to come up when that new TV deal is. That's why you have Laramie Tunsil. Did y'all see the headlines of Laramie Tunsil reported on the mm-hmm. ESPN? He no, said, he, man, he said, I was speechless looking at the contract I got. He negotiated his own contract with stupid old Bill O'Brien, right? Mm-hmm. And he had advisors with him. He got 66 mil guaranteed for three seasons. All right. Mm-hmm. And he hasn't even proven that he's a credible damn left tackle yet. And he flossed their ass. Right. And wow. the thing is, it's three years because what? Because he's going to be back out there when a new TV deal comes in. The same with Carson Wentz. So it's probably his out because it gives Carson Wentz, if he was pre- performing at that elite level, another crack at big dollars again in his young age. It says 2020 mm-hmm. option must be exercised by uh, maybe March 27, 2020. Or 2020 salary jumps to $31.383 million and remains void. So that's the so that's the option. But it still didn't say who the out op, the no, option yeah, was. I bet you it was from Wentz because it's probably from Wentz. Everyone knows that with that new TV deal, and that's why Dak wants another crack at the apple. Mm-hmm. He's like, dude, no, 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 no. Get I'll sign four, but I want to get back at that get back, get back up there in that market. And that's probably on Wentz. And there's nothing wrong with that. It should like we, 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 smart, smart smart business. He got a right. ton of QB money right before he, he was supposed to even get it. Basically, he wasn't even in his fourth year and they gave him that money. He was hurt. And now he's going to he, so he has solid money already in the bank. It's counted for. And now if, if I can get back to where I was two seasons ago, listen, they may not want me. But guess what? There's going to be a few teams out there that will pay me premium dollars. Yeah, he's, see, he's see Kirk 20, Cousins. He's what, 26, mm-hmm. 27 years old, 27 years old right now. So yeah. still still fairly uh, pretty young. What uh, what who's drafted you like the most for me? I guess even though Baltimore had a good one, Mel Kiper was capping for it, not capping. He was. He said he liked it, even though he's from mm-hmm. Baltimore or he resides in the area. Mm-hmm. I really like Dallas's man. Like, yeah, Dallas went in job. like we're trying to win. Uh, we already got Gallup. Uh, we sitting here. We just signed uh, Amari Cooper to this money, and dude, we gonna bring in C.D. Lamb. And the thing is, the flip. Oof. The thing with the C.D. Lamb thing is that Amari Cooper deal is now about two years for real, because if he's not operating at a premium level, then. They're going to look – because sooner or later they have to give Gallup some money. And then you got CeeDee Lamb right there. And then Dak has a plethora of tools basically, right? Like think about the fact that you, your, your job in a way is to stack the box and to, to sit there and stop Ezekiel Elliott even though their quarterback was the MVP last season. Mm-hmm. And you gave that emerging quarterback 
a premium weapon to CeeDee Lamb. And just the picks that they had even after that, Dallas had a phenomenal – shout out to Jerry Jones and Stephen Jones. They had a phenomenal draft. Uh, I'm, I'm Hats off to them. I'm with that. For me, it was unfortunately a team in the Bears division. I really liked what Minnesota did. Minnesota, the yeah. Vikes. Vikes, yeah. Like, Justin Jefferson was one of my favorite players coming into this draft, and so they got him. I thought that was great. I don't know if it met, mixes well with Adam Thielen because they're both kind of slot guys, but I really like the player. No breakaway guy right there. No take it off the top guy right there. Even though he, right. ran, he ran a better 40 time than people expected in Justin Jefferson. Remember his brother being down at the QB down there uh, at LSU. Uh, but still, uh, dude, I, I'm with you. Even though they lost a lot of guys, but they definitely had the better draft to me. D, and they, they I'm just sorry, got Lamb. a lot of guys. They just D. got a lot of guys, and I like Gladney. Uh, the one thing that jumped out to me, I say within the division, is actually the Detroit Lions. You got Akuda and you got Swift. You got a, one of the top rated, probably the best corner uh, cornerback in the league, and you got Swift who down there in Georgia, man, who, man, you get, listen, if you let that dude get any kind of one-on-one action, it's over. He's, he's swifty. He, he can go ahead and do his thing. So that's the team that kind of jumped out to me. Minnesota definitely did. Uh, they had a lot of picks. Uh, Baltimore looked good. So, I mean, I, I like what the Bears did. But I think with the Lions, I kind of like I – like, I like Akuda and I like Swift. One other team, um, even though they didn't go offense at all, I kind of liked what Carolina did, especially mm. with Derek Brown and getting the Penn State pass rusher. Talk mm. about rebuilding your front on the fly. Two of the best prospects on the interior line. I like I like getting Edsler at the back of the first round with a, such a phenomenal offense. That was great. City. That was that's going to be fit. scary, dude. Perfect. That's going to be so scary. And and they haven't lost anything. Like it'd be different if they was filling a hole. They haven't even lost anything. So that one I definitely like. But real quick before we get out of here, let's switch to the last episode of Last Dance. Let's call it love. I think Mike had a lot of confidence in me to knowing that I'm going to be there for him. I'm not going to let him down. I'm not going to let the team down. I'm going to let the city down. No. Rodman clears the defensive board to the goal. Nets gave it a whirl, but just did not have enough. The defending champion Chicago Bulls knocked off the New Jersey Nets. 100 to 92. Dennis is what held us together when Scotty was up. He had to really focus to make us as competitive as we were. We adapt, and we adapt quickly, and we're off and running. Rodman battling for the rebound, saving it in! And Chorus snatches it out of the air! Throws it! Now that's best win in basketball. Those are the plays that Dennis Rodman does to make his team great. Awesome. So we finally got episodes three and four. Uh, the first episode focused on Dennis Rodman, I believe. And the the second, worm. Yeah, the second episode, continuing from Dennis Rodman, focused on the team the Bulls had to get to get to prominence before winning their first title, and that is the Detroit Pistons and how hard that battle was. And it's still, I would say, simmering, but ignited fires from the players on those two rosters. Uh, we talked about this a little bit with uh, Luke Kanellis. Uh, you, you can check out that interview right now. You can go look at it after you get through watching this. Yeah. Uh, but listen, uh, I said to him, the bitter pistons, even though I finished going even deeper into that, and some of the stuff, like Isaiah went too far when he kind of was like Buddha Edwards and that John Sally brought a mentality to the Bulls team. And Stephen A. Smith on first take was trying to – he tried to get on him. But the thing that he didn't say, and everywhere I'm watching the debate show and you need to hit on these points, he didn't say that enough that that was the second 3 P. He made it seem like that maybe one or two of them were on the first 3 P team. 
So you already had a championship team. Even though he said some of the Bulls taking some of their defensive principles, it, that, that wouldn't bother me, uh, even though it's taking something away from uh, Bach and Clemens. Uh-huh. But that doesn't bother me. But to say that those players necessarily fortified them when the Bulls won three titles before any of those players ever stepped on the roster was mm-hmm. a bit much, uh, to say the least. Uh, but it was good to see good old rivalries uh, that still are, f- are festering. And they're not hurting each other. I'll say this. Now get off it real quick. I'll say this. Um, I like the fact I would want to see these, these teammates from these two teams in one room together. And at first when I was thinking about it, I was like, I would like to see them separated. And I was like, you know what? I'd like to see them a little close just to see if anything will pop off and someone would swing a Lambeer or if Lambeer, Lambeer probably could because <laughs> he's a, a coach in the WNBA. It wouldn't look right. But I would, just like how they did the bad boys and now they're doing this, because we don't have, we don't really have teams that we care about right now in our modern society that have this much hatred to each other and it's lasted this long bird and magic basically hug every time we think we see them you know what i'm saying like you don't have it where even like and the knicks never won a title so compared to how the knicks were like there's at least a real true even though the, the, the knicks were a rivalry uh with the bulls but at least it was a rivalry because one team won and then the other team won when it came to the pistons and the bulls but i would love to see these all these guys in the same room together and i like to also uh point out how people kind of played around with was just rhyming on drugs and i i, I liked it because people still showed their affinity for him because one person was like yeah hey, the drugs maybe jalen uh, rose was like in hey, the drugs and i was like oh you was the first person to finally say it right <laughs> everybody else focused on like alcohol you know sometimes it'd be like the alcohol but they're like but we partied and be like Mm, yeah, you're doing something but, else. But D, what'd you think? <laughs> well, I'd say well, before the uh, documentary started, I said the one person I was looking forward to kind of seeing, seeing a lot of was Dennis Rodman. And, mm-hmm. that, and that third episode was pretty, really cool. Just a simple fact of I never knew, at least I don't remember about the whole thing about him doing a vacation. And oh, they, they said it. They said it when it happened. Yeah, they like they needed back the then, vacation. They said it. It's like Dennis was gone. Vac- they yeah. said it when we were kids. He was like Dennis. They, they said they, it that Dennis left. They uh, he uh, I didn't remember that. And then the simple mm-hmm. fact that also the story is that Michael Jordan had to come get him. Michael Jordan was saying like he ain't coming back. But who went to go get Michael Jordan up out of the hotel room with Carmen Electra hiding? You mean Dennis under- Rodman? I mean, Dennis, I was just, Dennis Rodman with Carmen Electra hiding up under the covers. That was an all-time classic story right let me, there. Let me get up in there. And also, too, Dennis Rodman chugging the Miller, I mean, uh, the Miller Lite and hopping on a uh, motorcycle and driving off. Like, damn, they're showing everything. Okay. So, but that was pretty cool, man. Dennis, the Dennis Rodman episode was really, really good. We already had his 30 to 30. We know his backstory. But kind of seeing how, you know what I'm saying, he felt bad because Man, Michael, Michael Jordan need me? Oh, my God, Michael Jordan need me? Man, he come pip. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? They kind of threw him off a little bit, and he needed a, a little a little bender right quick, you know? So that was really cool to see. And also, too, listen, I'm I'm over the Pistons and the Bulls rivalry. I don't want to see a bunch of 60-year-old men, damn the 60-year-old men, bitching about something that happened back in 1989 or 1991. Ooh. We ain't got no sports I'm, right now? I'm, I'm fine with it. I'm, I'm, Ooh, dude, I'm the over. type of – listen, I'm the, over. the Scotty, Zeke, the hatred alone would be enough because he doesn't respect Scotty. Scotty hates him. Scotty, oh, listen, but I, like I said, like you said, 
We already know this. Ooh, but we, we have never seen them seen. go at it. We've never seen them go. Listen, it's, and it won't happen. The ish it, talking. Listen, I bet you this. In the next three years, it's a chance you're gonna get some of these players in the same. Because you know what? They love to. They love to get money off of them. Listen, and also, think about this too. I think, what? what? We're going There's to going to need to be COVID programming moving forward. They don't do it. I think okay. the only one. I think the only. One, you heard it here, Ryan. You heard me, right? You heard me, right? <laughs> I, heard you. I, heard you. I think the only one who would probably come out and say something wouldn't mind doing sit down because he like to talk about talk all the goddamn time is is John Sally. He'll come out and be on both ends. He tell you all the story. He give you all the dirt. You know, what I'm I spill the tea for everything. But I don't they ain't say nothing about Robin's wife and what what they've kind of the, the Pistons. I say this with all that because the narrative that Isaiah wants to portray is you know, he said it on first take today when he wanted to go to Vegas. It may have been a scream for help. And they like to act like everything went south is when he got here. No, yeah. no, no. It went He's south. About that in the 30, it went south at the end in Detroit. Yeah. But one thing too, they, and I'm not going to get into the, the, the salaciousness of it. There seems to have been at a time a situation with Dennis Robinson's wife, and that's why he ended up in the pickup truck with the gun. And the Pistons never, and it's it's really deeper than that. They never talk about that for this to be this team-oriented organization that Zeke wants to portray. And again, a man has to deal with what a man has to deal with, but you can't act like he's a grown man in this situation, but here he doesn't have to necessarily be a grown man in this situation. It has to be across the board. All right, Ryan, real quick before we get up out of here, what are your thoughts, man? Yeah, besides, uh, I guess, what you guys were talking about, I thought it was interesting with the Phil background because I didn't really know Phil's total background and mm-hmm. hearing about the Puerto Rican leagues I thought was cool. And, and just seeing, like – kind of how we talked about Jerry Krause being the villain. Like, they're still where Jerry Krause is cool-ish, where Phil kind of likes him, everybody kind of likes him. You see Phil dancing on the bus and stuff mm-hmm. like – or, I'm sorry, Jerry, Jerry dancing on the bus. And I just – you just know that that's going to get worse and worse, and it's just going to be so interesting to see how it continues to play out. 